This is therapy for the world. The shy person is actually feeling like they're quite above everybody else. But what's really going on is the shy person is refusing to share. That's an actual deliberate unconscious act. The Therapy for the World podcast is a production of the Kepi and Pacheco Trilogical Colleges. Welcome. Our Therapy for the World podcast today features an interview with Susan Berkeley, president of the Great Voice Company in New York. Susan's an accomplished broadcaster, best-selling author of Speak to Influence, How to Unlock the Hidden Power of Your Voice, and the coach to thousands of voiceover actors and presenters in all types of formats, from video to stage to online conferences and seminars. She's a leadership and training consultant, the signature voice of Citibank, and, in a personal aside, the one who introduced me to Norberto Kepi's work. So, in a large way, instrumental in my being here in Brazil and working at the Kepi and Pacheco Trilogical Colleges. So I have a great gratitude to who I consider my dear friend, Susan Berkeley. I sat down with Susan recently to talk about communication. Let's start with what you see are the most common communication problems that you you see with your friends and family, your colleagues, your clients. What are the common problems in communication that you see coming up every day? Yeah. You know, I, I think whether we're dealing with emerging professionals in the voice talent field, which is an area you and I came from, we're both, I don't know how much people know about us, you know, but both of us are broadcasters by trade and both of us are very successful voice talent. You know, you are Canadian, I'm, I'm American, USA American, and uh, both of us have had uh, very, very successful voiceover careers. So we're clearly speaking professionals. But I think the problems, no matter whether they're internal for you and I, we just perhaps have managed to overcome them a little bit more, or whether they're uh, more urgent for people that have to speak professionally in either in any capacity, or by that I mean, or speak for their business or speak to be paid. I think the number one problem is a, a problem of, of affection, interestingly enough. So good communication is really for other people. It's not for ourselves. And I think we could always, we could always start there in a, in a discussion like this because that's where all of the blockages come from. People are inverted, as always, since this is a, a channel where we deal with the work of Dr. Norberto Cappi, his great discovery is one of inversion, that we're, we, we are not aware that we actually invert reality. It sounds crazy, right, Rich? It sounds, I mean, how could this be possible? We're, we're living in reality. We've got our feet on the ground. We wake up in the morning. We go to work. We do our thing. But yet we're upside down in so many ways without perceiving it. And not only are we upside down, but we have a psychological aversion to doing what's right. So communication, the purpose of communication should actually be to, to give affection to somebody else, to share, to help other people. It has to be outward focused. Yeah, even if we have a message, you know, you have a message to convey technical information, statistics, or anything like that, the more connected you are to that uh 
affectionate part, that desire to help, that desire to contribute. That's what we mean. You know, it's not meaning, you, you know, yeah, it's I, not love, like you. I like love you, I love you, Susan. Little hearts coming from my head. No, it's not. Right, exactly. About. No, we're <laughs> yeah. talking about uh, not being boring. We're talking about being persuasive. We're talking about holding people's energy. We're talking about giving a memorable presentation. And we're talking about being a good friend that people feel where we're really connecting with them. We're talking about not being a jerk, you know, when we, when we enter the room, you know. Sounds, so, be... sounds so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> Nobody wants to be that guy, you yeah. know. You want to be a good communicator? Just stop being a jerk and you'll be okay. <laughs> no, I yeah. mean, you know what I'm saying. Not saying things that are embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, it's we could go on for hours about what it means to truly honor the gift of communication, whether it's the spoken word or even the written word. But we deal, of course, in the voice, which is amazing because it's like every human being carries this beautiful instrument within them that hasn't even been optimized yet. Yeah. You know, or it must yeah. And, and when you're talking about the whole thing of being affectionate, like caring for the other people, being interested in the other person, that immediately moves us out of this narcissistic um, box that many people are in, this idea that I have to appear great, I have to appear the best, I have to appear like I'm the, the best speaker ever, uh, or, or people are looking at me, everybody's looking at me, people are judging me. All of that narcissistic conversation that goes on gets sort of solved, doesn't it, when we it have this solved. affectionate it, it We're in a new era of communication. And you and I, Rich and I, we work together for years we give courses, we give workshops, we train internationally in English and in Portuguese. And it's so refreshing, Rich. I'm so relieved that our, we are no longer teaching people how to stand up in front of an audience and use their hands and gesture. What a boring, what a, what a stilted, boring thing, which is not to say that there isn't an art to, to good, there aren't stand-up communication skills, just as an actor has an art, a craft, right? We're not dissing that, but that is not the key thing. If you approach communication from the particulars, the particulars of inflection, should I go up here? Should I go down there? You know, should I, <laughs> how do I speak my words more trippingly on my tongue? You know, if you approach communication that way, you're like, how do I stand? And all, it's torture. It's torture. So you might master it for a particular presentation of 20 minutes or 10 minutes. And afterwards, you'll be so exhausted and never want to get up there and talk to anyone again because it's when fake. I, when, I, when I worked in radio, <laughs> as you did for many years, when I worked in radio, I remember that I, I learned very early on not to wear two headphones, right? Because what I found was uh, when people are listening to themselves, and this is the same when people are focused on themselves, they're infatuated with what they're saying. And it's like, you know, you've got a little joystick and you can move the voice from one headphone to the other. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> You're that really... guy. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's called, I call that vocal narcissism. And it really is a thing. Either that, Rich, either they're, they're you know, you've been blessed with a beautiful voice. I, I have too. So we might enjoy our, we're, we're among the minority, we are among the minority of people who actually like the sound of their own voice. Most people hate it. So if you, you, if you are, you enjoy the sound of your own voice, that's one thing. Or you can like, can't stand the way you sound. That's another thing, which I think more people fall into that camp. But the point is, whether you love it or hate it, it's not, 
you, you shouldn't even be thinking about your voice when, when we speak, right? Uh, we, we need to be focused on the other, uh, and we need to be uh, receiving a flow of help from the universe and expressing it through our, 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 speak, our being, through our being. You know, speaking is, is, is a full being activity, I think. Of course. It's- what, what do you think's the difference in uh, how you use Dr. Kepi's work to train this, to teach people this? Yes. What's the difference in the approach you're taking to the way it's normally taught? I mean, normally yeah. we, we hear techniques and as you're saying, you know, people say, okay, so uh, put a cork in your mouth and there's all these technical. Yeah, which are great which, to do. Listen, which can be very useful, of course. that they're not yes. useful. They are yeah, great. But the yeah. point is, you'll never get to be a, a great communicator for any reason from the particulars because the greater never comes from the lesser. It's like when I, when I tried to learn, when I first came to Brazil and started speaking Portuguese, the first thing I did was buy, buy, buy a grammar book as if I could learn this beautiful, marvelous language with hundreds of thousands of words and ways of expression from a book, right? And that's the first thing everybody tries to do. So you can't do that, and you can't approach uh, an art from the particulars. You have to, and you know the great thing about speaking is, in most cases, if we're not, our voices are not sick in some way. You know, uh, it's it's a natural thing. So we're we're talking about allowing our being to come through. So we're not trying to make ourselves ever in good communication something that we're not. And I think that's that's a big mistake people make, Rich. They think, I have to actually meet some sort of standard or sound a certain way. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. And you and I have, uh, we talked about yes, this yesterday in an interview we did. We, you and I once helped a, a businessman in Brazil who, uh, I'll tell the story real quick, we got a, an urgent call from his secretary asking for, for emergency help. You must, guys need to clear your schedule. See him today. He, my boss is a mess. He just got a big promotion. He's got to make a speech to thousands of employees and he hasn't slept. He hasn't eaten anything. He's a, he's a wreck. Can you please help him? And we said, sure, come on by. And the guy comes in and he was indeed that wreck that she had talked about. He hadn't slept for days. He had, his hair was un- disheveled and he was unshaven and he was just a, a nervous wreck. So what the what we learned in talking to him was that he thought okay i've got i've gotten a promotion i now i have to sound presidential right but he that wasn't his being his he got the promotion because he was a great guy he was like every man he had he had a gift for making people feel comfortable for making them feel like like they mattered you know and sitting down with him one on one he was just really real and i don't know where he got this idea that he had to be something other than than he was and it and it just completely screwed up his well first of all his psyche but then his communication skills so we disabused him of that and and calmed him down and and helped him work with with his natural talents and abilities yeah. this but this is very common it Susan, is i think i think people uh, tend to despise the things that come from the real essence, you know, because they seem so, I don't know, na- and because they're natural, they seem inferior. So we think we have to develop, elaborate this enormous structure of acting, of of mask, of appearance on top of what's real because we don't give value to the real 
things of communication or of life, you know, which don't come from structure. They don't come from affectation. They come from honesty, from reality, from being connected to the the essence of life, who we are. Well, I think that, we tend to despise that. You know? We do, don't we? We tend to despise it and we think we need, and the point is we already have it. It's not some, we have what we need, right? And the point is that we're blocking who we are. It's not that we have to get something. The point is we're, we're impeding something that we already have. And that's where the stress comes. That's where you, you st- immediately hear it in the voice. The voice is, um, it's, it's, um, you know, there's speech muscles that are very sensitive to our emotional state. And if you're tense in any way, it, you know, you, you clam up, you know, your voice trembles or it becomes harsh to listen to, shrill, too loud, too soft, all of those things that make for unpleasant communication. But the cause is always psychological. So it's not that you have to get something or be different than you are. You just have to start to see and become conscious of how you're blocking the natural expression of your being. You have to sort of get out of the way in some way, right? Yeah, to get out of the way. And, you know, we've seen amazing things happen. I mean, we've been, you know, you especially have done phenomenal work with thousands and thousands of non-native speakers of English in Brazil who and and Brazilians people don't realize this because Brazilians are so outgoing, aren't they? And so they to the rest of the world they seem like a jolly, happy, outgoing people, very talkative, but they as a people are very shy, especially when they have to communicate in another language. So uh, you know that ours is a therapeutic method, and that's what makes it so different. So somebody comes to you, they're they're really they're really blocked. They're like they feel really intimidated about speaking even even in a simple meeting or much less a you know a presentation on a stage what do you do how do you, how do you lead the person through that process they're really really blocked feel really shy really embarrassed like ashamed yeah. what, what yeah. do you do how do you help so them the first thing we do and and I work a lot with people that are presenting on video which which presents its own unique challenge because you're actually speaking in a very unnatural environment I'm in a room, there's no one here right now. You're there. Our listeners are are watching us and listening to us right wherever now. Wherever they are. Yeah, wherever right. they are. But the first thing we need to do is conjure that other person and help. And, and you were speaking earlier about this problem of narcissism in speaking, and I mentioned vocal narcissism. The tendency is always, if we don't see someone else, our reference is always internal. And that's where the problem begins. That's where we start to have elu- delusions of thousands of different types of delusions about what's going on. So job one is always conjuring up the other person. When you're on camera, it's a learned skill, learning how to see the camera like the eye of a a person you love, a friend, and to conjure that person up and have them be there and really get comfortable telling them the story and listening for their response, which is often imagined. But you have to make it a one-way communication into a two-way communication. It takes a little bit of skill, but it can be learned. So you're you're actually helping the person to get out of themselves somehow and start to think about communicating to that other person. Because a person yeah. who's really shy, uh, how would you describe the pathology, the difficulty of a person who's really shy, Susan? Yeah, so what's going on there? It, and it's very counterintuitive because when we think naturally about a shy person, we think poor thing. They what do we say? They have low self-esteem or maybe they're suffering from the imposter syndrome 
you know, whatever it is. We feel sorry for them. We pity them. But you and I, in our research and in working with thousands of people, we've noticed, wait a minute, the shy person is actually feeling like they're quite above everybody else and even a little bit arrogant and that that nobody else, people just don't want to hear what I have to say and they don't accept me. But what's really going on is that the shy person is refusing to share. They are refusing to share by not opening up their mouth and contributing to others, to the meaning, to whatever it is. That's that's an actual deliberate unconscious act. So that's a starting point for the shy person to help them understand. That's a a tough one, isn't it? (laughs) It's tough, but they they have to be helped to understand that communicating is an affectionate thing and that even if you make a mistake when you speak, you still have something to share. You have a unique perspective. And so so that's where shyness comes from. And they're also overly narcissistic, concerned with themselves, perfectionistic. Every word, they're analyzing everything they say, and not just themselves, but other people as well, criticizing the meeting, you know, this one, that one. And they're just not um they're overly focused on themselves and their performance and it's it's a yeah. recipe for, for disaster it really is i mean a person you think about somebody who's really shy what are they afraid of they're afraid of being judged they're afraid of making mistakes they're afraid of a lot of things that have nothing to do with the message they're conveying it has to do with how they're going to appear or how they're mm-hmm. going to be received so many times shy people they have this kind of really abnormally high expectation of themselves, that they are really great or they should be really great. This is what what Susan's talking about in terms of this idea of being arrogant, right? That they have this idea that they should be perfect, that when they do something, they judge it as saying, no, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't. So they, they're very, very demanding of themselves. So think of it that way, not as in terms of being like, oh, I'm the best in the world, but the sense that I should be better than I am. I should be better than I am and not wanting to be natural, normal, just like everybody else. So, so when I say narcissism, it's think more in terms of perfectionism, right? And I think people recognize that about themselves. I think it's difficult to see that we're narcissistic in the, in, in the sense that we're talking about here, because it's a psychological attitude, but it is, I think many people will recognize their own perfectionism. And that's a starting point uh, because speaking well is not speaking perfectly, not by a long shot. And that's something that I always have to work with uh, my people on because often a person will start to flow in their communication. They make a little mistake and they clam up and they go, whoa, you know, but that, uh, in fact, uh, audiences want to see and interact with somebody who's human not somebody who's perfect. And that leads us to the discussion of uh, artificial intelligence. You ready to go yeah, okay. there? <laughs> so, yeah, sure, let's, let's go. This, this whole thing, because what you're saying now, that people want natural. I mean, every, everything's becoming homemade now. I mean, everybody's making videos in their home. So we don't have the big CBS production with the lights and the, you know, lights, camera, action, the, you know, three, two, one. It's, everybody's doing things uh, on their own, their own kind of productions. So needing to be like a a, a news anchor for a m- major uh, network TV show, this is absolutely not necessary now, and even not required. I think people 
are reacting with the natural the naturality of people how how natural people are so now when we think about artificial intelligence um what is artificial intelligence doing it's trying to create perfection it's like when you're you're working in your word document and it underlines the the misspelled words you know it's like it's trying to make everything to be perfect all the time so artificial intelligence is coming in really um in a way to augment to increase people's narcissism i think susan i think it'll work that way yeah it can for sure listen it can be a tool you can use it to t- save time in certain areas that's we're not saying that that's a bad thing you know to save time and to help imp- facilitate our work but this whole idea that that an actor that a speaker can be that the public will accept a cloned version of a human being i think is is like ridiculous you know that's because one thing that that artificial intelligence never can do is make art it's impossible for it to to there's no subtext so i was comparing for example um a narrator who actually had a cloned version of his own voice so he made his own voice it was his voice in artificial intelligence and it sounded good you know but it had no soul so he compared that reading a text to himself live reading a text and it was like night and day because one thing a computer never can do is the subtext the human subtext because our communication rides on energy rich it's a magnetic thing person to person and super simple example is the way a friend or loved one says hello i think all of us have had the experience to get a, a call somebody and just by the way a loved one says hello you instantly know how they're doing whether for better or for worse well, what is that it's one word how do we know that well the voice is the organ of the soul it's the mirror of the soul and that communication happens instantly in split seconds we're wired for that and that's something a computer can never do you know it's and it's what what hubris to think that that a machine could replace you know humanity the art yeah. in human beings the beauty i think it's such a, you're making such a great point it's like um language communication is not just a functional thing right yeah. And so uh, what what happens when we reduce things to zeros and ones to this this um computer algorithmic mentality we're 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 thinking of communication as a functional thing. I just need to get dinner. I don't need to make a connection with somebody. I don't need to have anything more going on. I just need to functionally get this done. So for that artificial intelligence works. I want to transfer money from one bank to another okay so it can help me to do that but language communication is not functional it serves many more because we're we're not we're not binary human beings our communication is is like it's like analog it's it's bigger than that and we when we're when we're reducing everything to zeros and ones like when we reduce music to digital numbers we're losing information. Yeah, I mean, and listen, listen, how can you compare uh, an MP3 to a live concert? It's impossible. We, we, we take an MP3, it's the next, okay, it's handy, it's in my phone, it's in my car, right? I can't have an orchestra in my car. But if I got the chance to see a live concert, 
that that changes your life. I think everybody watching right now can can think about concerts they've seen or gone to that have been you know moved them they'll never forget right. You, you, uh, so that's one thing. But I think the other thing, Rich, when you're talking about language, for us to become aware, there's a pathological part to that too. I'm thinking about specifically about gossip. So this is interesting for us to look at too, because um, words have power to them, uh, and and gossip intrigue is been warned about even in the Bible, right? In the Proverbs, the elders have always talked to us about that. Why? Because our, our, our communications carry energy. And if we're not aware of our own psychopathology, we can do some damage primarily to ourselves. Sure. I, I, I challenge anybody here, if you've ever, if you're a normal person and if you've ever, all of us are subject to to gossip, right? It's, it's a human trait. Uh, but if you've ever spoken ill of somebody or been with somebody in a real gossip fest, we all feel terrible afterwards. If you're normal, you feel terrible. Why? Because of that energy. And that it's, so it's important for us to understand, well, why do I want to allow my envy, give it free reign instead of conscientizing, instead of trying to control it, instead of trying to realize what is it about that person that is driving me so crazy that I have to try to destroy them, you know, behind their back? Those types of things. What about lying, right? And and you, in, in your research, Rich, and I know in, I've sat in your classes, you talk about how, how even babies can perceive uh, an untruth and how, how all of us know when it's there. So these are communication sins or pathologies that are also interesting for us to observe. And we see it on the social level, like in the media, it's huge topic, huge topic everywhere in Brazil and here in the United States and uh, misinformation and political fake, candidates. Fake, fake news. Fake and news and candidates speaking ill of one another and the public uh, unable to tell the difference or suffering from this. So, so it's a complicated issue, but a fascinating one. And I think, uh, you know, we need to start in our own world, be, become more aware of our communication and the how energy flows through us and how we share it uh, and also how it's coming at us so we can filter things and, and really understand it better. Sure, because you, you know, everybody knows this. You don't want to communicate difficult communications through a text message. There's too much going on emotionally. You have to do that personally. You cannot duplicate that. No matter how many happy faces or uh, these, you know, rolling on the floor laughing, these kind of little uh, <laughs> abbreviations we use, yeah. you're ne you can never communicate the complexity of language, of communication, of interaction between people through a digital medium. It just never. can't happen. It just won't never. happen. You know, we, our voice has this phenomenal thing, pitch, tone, inflection, tempo, the rhythm of our speech, subtext. I mean, it's a, it's a miraculous, miraculous instrument. Uh, and you, to think that we could ever, how we've suffered because of this, it was okay. You and I grew up in the age when telephones were on the wall, right? And I had that princess telephone by the bedside, right? And now look where we've come. You pick it up and have a, you know, a chat with somebody. And now a chat is something completely different, right? So, <laughs> but there are times where, where I, I think that's a great point. You wouldn't. Certain communications, you wouldn't even people fire somebody over email, right? Or ask cold, them for really ask cold. them for forgiveness, or yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so so these these are things that we we get into in our workshops and this whole idea of charisma energy uh we're we're trying to think about communication as an energetic expression and that energetic expression is not individually generated it comes from somewhere so when we're really communicating well with somebody we're receiving energy essential energy from the universe we're not in the, we're not separate from that we're not in a vacuum so that aspect the energetic part that sort of spiritual part the essence the souls talking that's something that cannot be duplicated through artificial intelligence through computers because they do not have this what we have they're not aware of themselves they're just mathematical formulations no, we we are much deeper. Human beings are much deeper, and our levels of communication need to go to that level of understanding. And I think our work is, the purpose of our work also, is to empower the average person to speak up and speak out and speak the truth. I'm always reminded of Dr. Kepi's book, uh, Liberation of the People, The Pathology of Power. He has lots of diagrams in there which show that, no, the people have true power. And the question is, why are we omissive? Why don't, why don't we speak up? Why don't we use that power? Uh, so our part of our work also is to help empower anyone who feels blocked, who has something they want to say, they need to say, to say it in a way that's powerful, to have confidence in, in your ability to speak the truth. And that's something that's not optional. All of us must do it as citizens of the world, you know? If you have a message connected to goodness, truth, and beauty. You're accessing all of the energy of the universe. And you know what Dr. Kepi said one time, that anything good lasts for eternity. Any good action you have, any good conversation you have, that's it's there for eternity in the universe. It's not something that ends. That's so we're we're to, yeah, we're talking about connecting at that level and having that kind of communication. That's very yeah. powerful, very beautiful. It's very powerful. So beautiful. Susan Berkeley. You know, I've been fighting to find the time to produce more podcasts for our Stop Radio Network. Not sure I'll get to doing this weekly, but I'll do my best. You know what would help? Your comments and questions. That would be motivating. And I think I could get Dr. Claudia Bernhard Pacheco into that. She's insanely occupied with the bureaucracy of running two colleges, plus her extensive client list and teaching schedule. But your participation would be encouraging. Write to me with any observations, comments, or questions at jones at stop.org.br. That's jones at stop.org.br. I'll see you next time on Therapy for the World on the Stop Radio Network. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. Thanks for tuning in.